All right, welcome back to another edition of the Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna, and today is Friday, February 5th. And at Forts Athletics, we provide coaches and athletes the tools they need in order to achieve their unique and specific goals. That's customizable programming, that's uh, individual instruction, that's uh, meeting with whole groups of athletes and coaches, whatever coaches or athletes need in order to seek their goals, we provide that for them and we help them achieve those goals. In today's episode, going solo today, uh, haven't done one of these in a while, but I'm really fired up about it because something that uh, happened last night, uh, one night a week, our oldest son has recreation soccer for an hour from six to seven o'clock at night. And last night was my turn to take him and I get really excited when I go because it gives us you know, some time to talk in the car about second grade life stuff and just to get out of the house a little bit. So he gets some time away from his two younger brothers and it gives him a little bit of you know individualized specific time with either myself or or my wife. And yesterday, we got to soccer, and this is 10 and under, so basically seven, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds uh, playing soccer in uh, an indoor facility. And there's seven athletes per team, and the coach also is on the field at the same time. So it's basically like eight versus eight. Uh, but the coaches really just offer a little bit more support, things like that. And uh, they do about 15 minutes of instructional time. They go through some drills, some different things as far as passing and shooting and keeping your head up and, and things to teach, you know, seven and eight year olds how to play soccer for the most part. So my son is seven. He's uh, certainly one of the younger ones out there on the field, but physically he's just as big, if not bigger than a majority of everybody else. So it's a really interesting con, uh, contrast, uh, physicality versus, you know, the cognitive and emotional, you know, aptitude for soccer. So there's kids on this team that are nine and 10 years old, that this is a way for them to just play soccer in the winter. That's not very, um, high stakes, that's the right word for it. I mean, they're <laughs> they're little kids, but anyway, some parents feel that it's high stakes. Uh, so we were playing last night, and it's it was clearly evident. There's a couple kids on the other team and his team that are really good soccer players. So those kids tend to stand out from time to time. And yesterday, there was a little boy on the other team that, uh, for whatever reason, he just kept kind of like breaking through our defense and had a multitude of scoring attempts on our goalie. And the way they structure the game is basically you're you know, taught or encouraged to stay kind of like in one area, but it's like minnow soccer. So if anybody uh, has, who's listening has children, younger children that have played soccer, you understand the minnow concept. And basically everyone kind of like flanks to the ball. But some of the more savvy kids really try and, stay away and create some space for themselves away from a mashup of 10 kids kicking a ball when they're up against the glass in this indoor facility. So this little boy 
was uh, breaking away, and every time he got within 10 feet of the goalie, he'd shoot, and either the goalie would stop it, or um, one of the defenders from my son's team would be there to you know, kick the ball away or deflect it or something like that. And each time this happened, as the little boy was going back to, you know, on defense, um, you could tell he was visibly dejected. His body language, he kind of like slouched over a little bit, facial expressions. Like he was really frustrated that he was not able to score a goal. So on the sixth attempt of this and watching this, uh, he kicked the ball right at the goalie. And as the ball left his feet, he put his head down and started like running backwards because of the experiences that he had encountered previously. Well, on this particular incident, the ball went right through our goalie's outstretched arms and into the waiting feet of one of this little boy's teammates, and she kicked it in and she scored a goal. And uh, as you know, everyone's kind of going back to, to midfield to, to get uh, you know situated, and some kids are coming out to get water and whatnot. The parents were like screaming and yelling. It wasn't all negative, but you know, keep your head up. You know, don't get discouraged. Don't do this. Don't feel bad. It's okay. And I'm just kind of like sitting there, and I and I like observing. I don't really yell much. One because you know he you know really doesn't like being yelled at when he plays sports. Besides the occasional encouragement. Um, but we leave the coaching to the coach. And the coach that he has uh, played soccer in the college level. She's really successful. So she's the expert. We'll leave it, leave it to her. Um, but there, was, there wasn't anything that anybody did with this little boy after this incident happened. They went and got water. You know, his coach didn't really go over and say anything to him. You know, they just kind of got everybody settled in the next for the next, uh, like, mini game, and they continued on. And I felt so bad because all he needed is what it looked like is all he needed. It was, like, a hug, you know, or somebody to put it, put their arm around him or, you know, get down to his level at least because, you know, these kids are seven, eight years old. They're, like, you know, some of them are, you know, three feet tall, four feet tall. And uh, it just seemed like he needed someone or something you know, to happen, to come over and say, it's okay, you did a good job, keep your head up, don't give up, stay aggressive, keep moving towards the ball, don't give up on a play. And I know what some of you are probably thinking, like you just said five minutes ago that this is, you know, seven to 10 year old life soccer. But I think there were some teachable moments there that either his coach or some other adult could have said, hey, you know, keep your head up. It's okay. You know, keep going. You still helped out with the play. You helped your teammates score a goal. Like all of these positive affirmations as opposed to some of the negative pieces uh, that I heard. And I just sit there and just kind of like watch and, and listen and observe and things. And I was thinking about it yesterday because this notion of not giving up, of keeping your nose to the grindstone, keep moving forward, grit, like determination and things like that. It's difficult <laughs> for a seven to 10 year old, I think, to kind of grasp and comprehend what exactly that means to give, to not give up and, and, and be focused and, and keep like moving forward in these things, right? And I'm not talking about like a rocky speech or, 
you know, anything, anything like that, but really just more about, you know, keep, keep running towards the ball, keep playing the way you've been playing, look what happened the other times, you know, you never know what's going to happen and so on. And it really got me thinking on the way home. We didn't, you know, Jay and I really didn't talk about it. I'm not going to engage him in conversation about that if it's not something that's really, you know, on his mind or anything. But that particular incident just got me thinking about all of the most recent um, uh, opportunities or most recent ways that uh, kids I've coached in the past could have uh, given up and not continued to move forward with whatever, you know, they were working on. And a couple of incidents really come to mind. Um, was in the winter of 2015 so when I went back to coach at Nazareth. Um, Lewis was coming off an All-American season through 1927 on, um, you know, basically a grip-and-rip two-turn throw. I don't know if he would consider it a grip-and-rip, but, you know, it's kind of like what it looked like. So when we started working together again that summer, I asked him, you know, what his goals were, what he wanted to accomplish, and, and what he thought. And, you know, we started talking about, you know, national championships and things like that and, and trying to throw farther. And um, together we came to the conclusion that, you know, grip and rip two-turn probably isn't going to get him that much farther as far as, you know, what he wants to accomplish. Um, the national championships, usually 20 meters, is a good indicator that you're probably going to win the national championship. So he really wasn't far off of that, you know, less than a meter. But at that level, a meter is a lot, and it takes a lot of work to get there. But that's not what this is about. So I suggested that we start training the toe turn because he didn't feel comfortable doing three heel turns in the circle. So I said, let's try three or a toe and two heel, and we'll start getting comfortable with that. So we'll just practice that. We'll practice that. We'll practice that. And then for the first meet, uh, which was at RIT in December, actually like December 5th, maybe December 6th of 2015, I said, um, we'll try a toe and one. We'll see what happens. It's the first meet. I think there were three teams competing, so I wasn't really fearful of not making the finals or anything like that. So he, he followed the plan. Did a toe and one is what he felt comfortable with. He didn't feel comfortable with a toe and two, and I said that's fine. And he opened at exactly 60 feet, 1827, or maybe 1828. So exactly 60 feet, which was about three feet farther than he opened the free previous season. So I was like, wow, this is you know this is pretty good. You know, we're uh, about a meter under where you finished last year, which is pretty good. You're at 60 feet. It took you almost all season last year to get there. You know, it's a win. Uh, his two other uh, male teammates that were competing at a relatively high level, we tried the same thing. We tried incorporating um, something new uh, in regards to their technique because where they wanted to go, they didn't think that they could get there uh, with that style of grip and rip and try and be more uh, loose and relaxed. But at that meet, things could have gone terribly wrong. After the fact, Lewis could have said, you know what, I didn't throw as far um, as I wanted to, or I didn't, you know, uh, at least finish, you know, throw 19 meters, or I didn't open where I ended, you know, whatever. And it could have derailed the whole season, I think. But because he was, you know, really determined and focused on what 
he wanted to do, we felt really comfortable with the fact that um, he was going to be able to, you know, perform uh, perform at that at that specific uh, level. So because he was uh, determined and we were fixated on what we wanted to do and what we wanted to achieve, they stuck with it. Lewis, Brandon, Tyler, uh, they made the best of that first meet and then we were able to progress and move forward. They didn't give up on what the plan was within the first meet. I know working with 22 and 23 year olds is a little different sometimes than you know, working with seven or eight year olds. Um, but it would have been really easy for them to give up and get frustrated after that first meet because things didn't go the way you know they had anticipated. Fast forward a couple seasons, so the winter of 2018, and ran into the same similar situation. RIT again, first meet of the season. I have um, a Fab Five freshman girls get ready to open up their all of all five of them to open up their collegiate careers. And um, similar, we had conversations before the meets leading up to what we were what we were going to do. We've been practicing a certain way for a couple weeks to ensure that they had the best opportunity to be successful at that meet and open up really well. And for the most part, same thing. You know, they they all opened at relatively respectful distances for their first time throwing the weight in college. Um, there were two teams and one unattached athlete. So basically everybody got six throws. And they did really well for themselves. It wasn't until we came back from the holiday that there was a little bit of frustration um, from the spring semester uh, because some of the kids wanted to have greater success or they didn't think that um, they were progressing as well. So they were a little frustrated and didn't feel as good about what we were doing. Now, they didn't necessarily give up immediately. Or actually, they didn't give up at all for that matter. But it just made for a little bit more difficult of a conversation as we were moving forward throughout the rest of the season because they were expecting to have these immediate results and immediate success. And it wasn't until our conference championship where things clicked for three of the five uh, individuals who were competing. That's for, for the other two. Um, I've written about it before. Things just did not go well in the weight for one athlete and things did not go well in the shot put for another. And it wasn't because we weren't prepared. It wasn't because they, they gave up or anything like that. It was just other factors that played a role in it. But they were able to stay the course and continue moving forward based on what their goals and what their expectations were of themselves for for that season. And I think as we start transitioning now into the spring semester, I got to take a deep breath here and think about it because, you know, I haven't uh, really worked with my kids since the beginning of November. They've kind of been on their own in regards to strength training, um, drill work, we have a lot of snow out here in Western Europe, so it's been really difficult to kind of like get their own implements and find a facility to throw at. But it's really easy to give up before we even get started, or it's really easy to give up because of, you know, the circumstances we're in. But, you know, in New York State, no one's really competed, right? Like uh, the Empire Eight Conference basically shut, shut things down for the winter season. The SUNY Conference shut things down back in October. 
So at Alfred State, because we are not affiliated with an indoor conference, we kind of have an independent schedule. So we're kind of able to, um, you know, dictate what we want to do. We're still affiliated with Division Three, of course, and the Atlantic Region, um, you know, bigger, like, last chance qualifier type meet. But as far as peaking for an indoor conference championship, we don't have that. Uh, so it makes it a little bit more difficult on one end, but then on the other end, it kind of alleviates the stresses and potential pressure of trying to compete while on one specific day. So we're able to kind of train through this indoor season, even though NCAA really hasn't canceled Division Three Nationals yet. They're still scheduled for the second weekend in March. So there's still an opportunity to compete. But... Uh, uh, what I've been talking about with my kids is about setting realistic expectations for themselves and what we might have to overcome this season. And you've, if you've listened to me long enough, you understand that I talk about this stuff all the time. With these realistic expectations come you know, some responsibilities. You know, what exactly you know, it's going to be a um, successful season? How are we going to define it? And with six gentlemen throwing, five of which are freshmen, one is a returning junior, which basically has freshman eligibility the way the NCAA is operating, we have a long way to go. But a long way to go for a 17, 18, 19-year-old is a little different. Like, from my perspective, I'm looking at it as well. Like, we don't have a lot of time this season. We have February, March, and April, and that's it. And if we have an outdoor conference championship, it's usually the first week of May. And then, depending on how things go, we might still have outdoor nationals, which is at the end of May. And because all these season or all these conferences have basically failed on their winter seasons, we kind of have a leg up on the competition in regards to um, preparation for for the outdoor season. But anyway, getting back to um, don't don't give up. It takes a lot of patience, it takes a lot of understanding, and it takes a lot of trust and communication between a coach and athlete to be able to, you know, visualize the path, if you will, to visualize what's coming up ahead around the bend, right? Like, it's our job as coaches to prepare our athletes as best we can for um, the season, for meets, for practice, and my kids will tell you that I kind of uh, get a little long-winded sometimes, like these podcasts, but I get really fired up about this stuff because I think it's really important for them to know that I care about them, that I that I want them to have the most pleasurable experience in regards to throwing as they can because it's not really, you know, we, we're not a scholarship, so we can't make the kids compete. So while they're with us, while they're in my care, it's my job to make sure that they have, you know, the best opportunities to be successful and talking about that and reiterating that and having, you know, individual conversations with the athletes and just having uh, a multitude of, of uh, avenues for communication is really helpful. Some, some of the guys like text message, some of them prefer email, some of them, I know they get my text messages, but they don't respond. And that's something that, you know, we've talked about as a group. So I just think it's really important uh, that as we start transitioning into this spring semester, that we really, we keep our heads up, 
we stay focused on what we want to accomplish, whatever that goal is, um, and keep open and honest communication between coach and athlete as we tr- transition and move forward towards our outdoor conference championships. So I hope this episode was helpful uh, as far as don't give up and different you know, strategies that coaches can incorporate with their athletes in regards to you know, keeping open communication, the different types of communication, um, you know, planning things out ahead of time so we're not really leaving anything to chance. And, you know, just being being open with, you know, with your kids. This is Charles Inferna signing off on today's Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast on Not Giving Up. Thank you very much and have a great day.